couple of weeks ago uh, in the book of James. And uh, we talked about the marks of a, a mature person. Um, and my first point was um, that, you know, problems are going to come and that you want to be able to handle them in a way that shows that you have faith in Jesus Christ. And so um, we're going to go back to that scripture. I'm going to be talking about problems in general, um, some things about problems that you might know and some things that you might not know. Um, we're going to get into it, and I know that you're going to be blessed. Just here's a, It's not enough to hear a sermon. It's not you know, just to hear a sermon and, wow, that was interesting, or that well, you proclaim amen, that that was true. Um, it's not what you hear so much. It's what you're able to live out when you leave here. Like, this is like a school class, and what you learn here, you're supposed to apply out there. And so if you don't apply it out there, you know, you've been informed, but you haven't been transformed. All right? And so we want, we want Holy Ghost transformation power. We want to be changed people. We want to come one way and leave another way. Amen? All righty. So um, I'm going to get right into it. After I preached that sermon um, about, you know, how to, you know, just how to handle problems and, and the marks of which a lot of people came up to me, but you don't understand my problems. And that's what most people say. You don't understand my problems. You know, I'm different. I have a unique set of circumstances. And, um, and throughout the Bible, we're, you know, we're, we're encouraged that believers all over the world are facing the same trials you're facing. And even temptation, the Corinthians, you know, your temptation is common to man. You know, you, I know it feels like you're uniquely getting hit up and no one goes through it like you. And, you know, the devil himself is after you because you're so special, you know. And, 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 but it's not really like that many times. We just need to grow up and mature, and we're going to be talking about that. Amen? So in Recovery House Worship Brooklyn, we'd like to stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to get into God's word right quick. James, we're going back to the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 6. Um, and I'll read it to you. Amen? The Bible reads as such. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Amen. So... There's a, I think you got a handout. I didn't check it out. I'm sure you got a handout. Um, when I, when I, thank you. When I preach the sermon about, you know, uh, problems and be, you know, don't worry, be happy. A lot of people say, listen, you don't understand my problems, like I shared. And um, James, and most people said, tell me how. I know that sounds good, but tell me how, you know, uh, uh, to be positive under pressure. Right? That was one of my points, to be positive under pressure. Tell me how, and so James is going to give us a couple of things, a couple of instructions uh, uh, to how, 
And then it's up to you. Now, here's the thing. The, in Christianity, this is not a religion where we say do better, do better, do better. You, we have to allow God. We have to surrender to the Holy Ghost power of God, to the truth of God's word, to, to the idea and the purpose of glorifying Jesus and not being about our self-centered perspective. Like, there's a, there's a mixture of things. It's a spiritual decision. It's not something in the outside. It's not some pastor who's preaching powerfully and he gets you to encourage you. It's you saying yes to Jesus Christ. And when you say yes to Jesus Christ, if you say yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost begins to move and stir you and gives you the power to do stuff that you would never be able to do in your own power because you thought something was a good idea. All right? So, so as you say yes to God, now this is going to be some, a little bit difficult. This is a mature, this is asking you, which is the whole thing, is about you to grow up, to mature. And so your first point, all right, you've you, you seen, you know, the first point there is problems are inevitable. All right, anybody? Now, when they say problems are inevitable, it's important that you understand what inevitable means. It means that no matter how many times you come to church, no matter how many times you memorize scripture, no matter how many days you fast a week, no matter how many uh, Christian conferences you go to, no matter how much Bible study, like this is all wonderful things. And if you don't do them, you'll just be spiritually like anorexic, right? So there's some stuff you got to do so you can grow spiritually, so you can get like this gentleman right here, so you can grow and look diesel, you know what I mean? Um, I need some work on that. Pray for me. All right? But, but you, there's some things you have to do if you want to develop your spiritual muscle. Now, even if, now the if, man, so many people want the rewards of hard labor without doing the work. All right? If you go to church every Sunday, every, somebody say every Sunday. Every Sunday. That's kindergarten, by the way. You ain't moving no mountains by coming to church every Sunday. You're just showing up to grow up. All right? But if you show up every Sunday, I learned the value of a home group many years ago. So I know what it is to keep coming back every week, sacred time, separate that time, no distractions, no, you know, every Sunday. If you come to church every Sunday, if you read a, 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 a Proverbs a day, if you pray for six minutes a day, if you, if you do these things, you're still going to go through problems. So th when this is inevitable, inevitable, it means that you're incapable of avoiding. There's no way to avoid that problems are going to come to it. If you're in recovery, there's a recovery house of worship, and you got a sponsor, you do your step work, and you do service, you are, you, there's no way to avoid problems. This is, this is a very important point because there's hyper-spiritual uh, hyper Christians think that if they do this and do this and do this, then the devil is going to leave them alone, and that's just not really true. Jesus and Peter warned us. Jesus said, in this world, right, what are you going to have? Trouble, tribulation, right? Peter says, don't get surprised when you, when you have trouble comes. So, so it's just, we want to be, you know, want to be right-sized, biblical Christians. We're in a spiritual battle, and problems are going to come no matter what you do. Now, now the, the, I have a, a, the second thing about this little thing is that there's some things that you can't avoid. Right? Even though problems are going to come, my, my next point, right, is that problems are unpredictable. Right? They're unpredictable. You can't, you, unpredictable means that you don't know when they're coming. You can't see them coming. You can't, you know, they just, you man, you're doing the right thing. You're doing good. You're trying to be a good husband, and then your wife bugs out on you. You know what I mean? She's going through, you know, menopause, or your husband might be going through menopause, or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? But, but you're doing the right thing, and you have, they, they just come out of nowhere. You pray, you know, your, your kid might bug out. Some, your kid might hear a song, hang out with somebody for five minutes. You've been training him for 13 years, and that five minutes influences your kid, and now you don't listen. You know, they're unpredictable. You don't know. So they're, un, they're inevitable. They, they're going to come. Nothing you can avoid them. They're unpredictable, right? You don't know when they're going to come, how they're going to come. They're coming, though. 
They come in. How many, anybody ever been through the dark days of your soul where you're, you went through a faith crisis, quoting scripture, in the church maybe? The, the, it's going to come. It's unpredictable. So inevitable, unpredictable. Third, problems of many kinds. All right? Problems of many kinds. Now, all this stuff is in the scripture, right? When we say, it's when we say problems are inevitable, James says whenever you face trials, not if, but when you're going to face trials, right? Unpredictable, when you face trials, the word periptical means to fall unexpectedly, right? So that's a Greek word. You don't got to worry about that. It just means, like I said, unexpectedly. You're not sure. Of many kinds, the Bible says trials of many kinds. Now, some things is, how many people here are single? Single? Remember I said this? If you're single, you're going to have single problems. Valentine's Day wasn't a good day for you. You was, you know, the devil gave you a Bible study. Oh, nobody loves me. Nobody bought me chocolate. Buy your own stuff chocolate. Stop fronting, you know? So... But, you know, so if you're single, then you, then Valentine's Day, the devil bothers you. How many people here married? Married people. Raise your hand. Don't get scared. Married people. Raise your hand. All right. If you got married, Paul told you, if you get married, get ready for drama. Paul said, I wish you could be like me. But if you want to get married, go ahead. See what's going to happen to you. Right? So married people have, have marital problems. And, and on and on. So that's not, and that's problems that we create ourselves. Right? There's problems, and there's problems that life brings on its own. When I teach about storms, there's two types of storms you're going to go through. There's storms of perfection, right? When, you, when you're doing the right thing and you're doing what you got to do and you're listening to God and you're obeying God. And storms come and they come to perfect you, to grow you, to mature you. And then there's storms of correction. There's storms of perfection, storms of correction. Where you played yourself. You made a weird left turn. You didn't listen to God. You did what you wanted to do. And now you're crying. Don't act like you don't know how you, why you're crying. All right? But there's, there's, but there's all types of problems. They come in your way. All right? So there's problems of many kinds, and we'll get into that in a little while. And then the last point that's important to note is that problems are purposeful, that they come with a purpose. How, how many know if I didn't have a problem, I would never came to church? Right? If I didn't have a problem of addiction, I would never came into recovery. If I didn't have a problem of defects, I would never work steps. If I, couldn't, if I, could, if, if I didn't have the, I had a problem of being powerless over certain behaviors, that's why I came to Christ. My, the problem of powerlessness brought me to the Lord. If I could have did it on my own, I probably would not become a Christian. But I had, to be, I had to become totally depleted of all my resources, emotional, intellectual, so I can I say, God, I need you. Where you at? So problems have a purpose. And so, that's, so you guys, problems are inevitable, problems are unpredictable, problems of many kinds, and problems are pur purposeful. So you got to know these things, right? Now, if, if you understand this, if, now, if you get this, your attitude will determine a lot of stuff. Right? Now, if you understand what I'm saying to you, last time I preached, I told you, and if, if you could bring up that first verse in James that we talked about, consider it pure joy, brothers, because you know. All right, if you could bring up that verse, we'll just go over it again. This is pretty important, right? It says, when, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face problems of many kinds. Give me the next one. Because you know. The, the, key, the key three words there is because you know. Your understanding, your understanding will determine your attitude. If you understand that perseverance, maturity, complete, not like, if you understand that problems come and there's a purpose in the problems, and you it will determine your attitude. Now, if you don't understand this, the little orphan Annie's going to come out of you when you got problems. All right? You might be a Christian who quotes scripture, but if you don't understand this, an atheist will come out of you when you go through problems. You'll be like an atheist Christian. Who says you believe with one mouth, be actions act like you don't believe when you're going through problems, right? And so if you know that the testing, that the problems come, the first thing says to test your faith, right? 
If you know that problems come with a purpose, that, that, that there's that something, you're going to get something out of it, that there's an aim, there's a goal as you go through this, that, that, that this is not an accident, that you're going through this for a purpose and a reason. If you know these things, it'll twist your attitude so you won't be bugging out, going crazy, talking about, I just want to kill myself, I just want to use, I just want, you'll be like, okay. You stop asking, why am I going? You say, God, what do you want me to learn from this? You know, is there something, and this is important. You know, I've learned how to take inventory. Is there something that I did? Am I, am I going through this problem because of something, a decision I made? And, and, if, and if you did, don't lie, don't cheat, don't rationalize. And say, okay, okay, I understand. I should never lent that person that money. I should never let that, you know, I didn't see counsel. Or I should never let that person move into my house. Or whatever it might be. If you, made, if you made a decision, you ask, okay. So, but if you know this. If you know that God's going to do something through this, if you know that, that God, there's a purpose in it, your attitude will adjust. You understand what I'm saying to you? Okay, let's go to, let's go to the, the let's, let's talk about the, the, the purposes of problems, all right? The purposes of problems. Let's get into that for a minute. All right. Problems, number one, they purify your faith. I got it. I'm sorry. I'm sweating up here. I'm looking like I'm, all right. I'm working out up here. All right. <laughs> I tell Pastor Eden, why don't you sweat when you, why don't you sweat when you preach? You know what he said? Because I'm cool. I said, I said, you're cool. I'm good, thank you. I said, you're cool. I said, all right. Maybe in this Holy Ghost, you're cool, no problem. And then I, you know, I, I told him, I looked up the word cool once. You know, the, you know what the word cool means? Not too hot. That's just, that's, just a, that's just a commercial. That's a commercial break. All right. So, so the, the first purpose, the first purpose of your problem, your first, is that it purifies your faith. All right? If you look at, you know, uh, 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 it says the testing of your faith, right? It says the testing of your faith. There's a reason for that. The testing of your faith. There's, it's... Job said this, right? Job said, he has tested me through the refining fire, and I've come out, out as pure gold. That's what Job, Job said. He's tested me through the refining fire, and I've come out like pure gold. You know, when you put something in the fire and through the heat, it burns off impurities. Remember last time I said some people got an attitude, and you got problems because you got to change. God wants to change the attitude. Remember? And so there's stuff that when you go through, in, 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 when you go into the problem, it, you, get, you go through a crisis. You go through, what is God doing? What am I going through? What's going on here? And, and, and God will burn stuff that, that's not good for you, that's in your thinking, a belief system, something that, that, that is a very important thing. Some people have a weird belief system when it comes to God, right? They, they, so when you go into a problem, God burns that stuff out of you. I remember uh, preaching in Staten Island. I, I don't know if I ever told you this story. But... Um, there's a, the, the blacksmith, right? He has a sword, and, and they put the sword in a fire. And, you know, there's red fire, blue fire, and the deepest part of the fire. And, and somebody asked the blacksmith, they said, listen, how do you know when, when it's time to pull the metal out of the fire? Right? Because if you, if you leave it there too long, then, you can't, then it gets too weak. And if you pull it out too soon, you can't, you can't bang it into shape. So you gotta have, you gotta be a perfectionist when it comes to putting up metal. So, he, so the, oh, that's simple. He says, "Tell me how you know." So when some, think about this. The, the metal's in the fire. Sometimes God gotta put you to the fire. He says, "How do you know when to take it out?" Here's what the blacksmith said: When I'm able to see my reflection in the metal, now I know it's time to pull it out. 
What does that mean? When God is able to see his reflection in your life, then, he, then he'll pull you out the fire. Until God is able, until you're able to act like Jesus and talk like Jesus and resemble Jesus and glorify Jesus and that problem, then you're going to have to stay in the fire until you can see his reflection. Are you with me? And, and there's some people that they don't get it. And, and you know, we, we were talking about problems before. And really, you know, we, we must said about problems that Christians are like bags of tea. You, they sound good. They look good. They quote scriptures. But you really don't know what's in them until you put them in hot water. Right? Now they're hot water. Now you can see what's really. Because it's easy to sing, great are you, Lord, in church. and great, but, but having to go to the hospital and having to bury someone and having to look for another job and having to do, like, can you still sing, great are you, Lord, when life is not great? And, and when you go through problems, it, it'll mold you and shape you. God, listen, it's important. You, you're going to go through problems anyway. So do you want to go through problems like a chump or like a champion? Because you're going to go through problems. Are you going to lay there and die because the bills are piling up? Or are you going to allow God to do something in you? Are you going to trust God? Are you going to say, praise the Lord, I'm going to get through this. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. No problem can stop me. I serve the King of Kings. Or are you going to stay there and say, I bendito, nobody understands. <laughs> problems come to purify I'm, I'm, your faith. Your faith. How many know we, we all, Pastor Gus, Pastor Edwin, Pastor Raymond, we all need God to purify our faith so we can go to the next level? All right. So they come to purify our faith, you know. Um, very interesting. The next one is problems come and they, to fortify our patience. Fortify our patience. Now, the, I know you think patience, you think about in a, being in a line and you think about being in traffic, which is, which is it's cool. Let, we'll start there. Right? What's the first definition of love in the Bible? Love is patience. The first thing the Bible says about love, love is patient. Patience is attached to your faith. How you wait, not, not how you wait determines how much you trust God. Right? That's it's pure, like purifying your faith. If you can wait with dignity and respect and know that, yo, this, this don't feel good. This is, this is rough. But how you wait, it's not waiting. You, if you're in line, you're stuck on line, there's nothing you do to help the old lady with the, with the coupons. There's nothing you can do about the old lady with the coupons. But if you like, and looking around, you know, try to witness to somebody after being, you know, acting like that. Right? But if you stand there and say, praise God, hallelujah, you start singing, great are you, Lord, while you're online, and you're looking for opportunity. And God got you there. You understand? God is sovereign. He got you here for a minute. Who you want me to talk to? What you want me, you know? Hi. So, so, but I, so that's good. That's, that I'm, but I'm talking about a patience. I'm talking about a Greek word in patience here where, where, where it literally means the ability to stand under pressure. Now, most people don't want pressure. Most people try to avoid pressure. Most people, you know, they are pressure, pressure burst, makes pipes burst. But, but life comes with pressure. Ministry comes with pressure. Children come with pressure. A wife comes with pressure. A husband comes with, like, the things that we have in life, they bring pressure and stress into our lives. And when he says, when he says here, fortify our patience, he's talking about literally standing under pressure and being able to know that God is able and the Holy Ghost is in you. And, and, and listen, God will give you more than you can handle. Let me be the bearer of bad news. God will give you more than you can handle. Why? So you can go to him and say, God, this is more than I can bear. I need you. Take me to the, new, the next level. I can't do this on my own. God will give you more than you can bear. Look throughout the Bible. He's given many people more than they can bear. 
But he won't give you more than you can bear without being there to give you what you need to get through it. And, and so it's important. So God will give you, we call it persevering power, where you can stand under pressure. You know, when, so many people ask for certain blessings. I, I know people ask for a wife. They ask for a wife. You know the pressures of being a husband? You know, you know that you got to die to yourself as Christ died to the church? You can't be, you know, mama's little boy no more when you got a wife. You got, you got to be a man of God that bears the pressure of being the leader of your home. I was talking to my guys, and nobody likes it. But when you're the husband, you know, uh, I don't want to get into sports where people get weird. But any team that's losing, any team that's, any team that's losing, basketball, but you know who gets fired first? The coach. You know who's the coach of your team? You. You, the pressure of being a husband, uh, of leading your team, right? And so that comes with pressure. So when I got these single men saying, I just want to rib, I just want to rib, be careful what you ask for because the blessing you're asking for comes with a lot of weight on it. And can you stand under that pressure? And so it's very important that problems come, they, they come to fortify your patience. I, I, I was uh, talking to somebody about, you know, he wants, to, he, he's, uh, he wants to do ministry. He wants to answer the call of God in his life. And I said, that's great. That, that's beautiful. But know that God got to break you profoundly before he can use you mightily. That God, when you, you know, because God, you definitely got to go to the fire so God can use you. God, God got to get rid of all, as much of you as he can so he can deposit as much of himself that he can so he could use you mightily. And so, so problems come and, and they're going to they're gonna, uh, uh, purify your faith, and they're going to fortify your patience. And the last one is the most difficult, is they're going to sanctify your character. Sanctify your character. The Bible says in your notes, it says, so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. So that you may be mature. So the problems come, and you're going to, he wants you to rejoice. Problems come. God wants you to be mature. Somebody say mature. mature. God wants you to be mature. God wants you to be, how many know to be a Christian means to be Christ-like? Right, just by definition. Now, now, be honest and be careful how you answer this question. How many people here want to be like Jesus? Raise your hand. If you, you know, if you it's not a trick question, but it's a difficult question. How many people want to be like Jesus? Raise your hand real high. Okay. Okay. So if you want to be like Jesus, let me give you a couple of things. You got to go through some of the stuff Jesus went through. That means somebody got to kiss you and stab you in the back at the same time. Right, that, I'm just saying, like, you want to be like Jesus, this is what Jesus went through. You got to have one of your main mans in them do you dirty. And then you got to stand like Jesus stood, and you got to wash their feet. I'm saying, you want to be like, I'm just saying, you want to be, uh, let me give you another one. You, you're going to the darkest time of your life, and especially if you recover, you're not going to like this. You're going to the darkest time of life. You went, you're going to something dark, something, and nobody's calling you back. And nobody's showing up for you. Your, your, main, your, your, inner, your inner, inner support group is sleeping on you while you're going through the hardest times of your life. You want to be like Jesus, right? You, be like, you, you, you get persecuted for stuff you didn't do. Right? You're going through anxiety and, and you're going through, through, through trepidation so much. Like instead of sweating like I'm sweating, you're sweating blood. Because the, the, inner, the inner anguish is so profound and so powerful that no sponsor, no meeting, no support group, no preacher, no sermon can relieve you of the pressure that you're going through and the anxiety and the inner turmoil that you're going through. Only God himself. 
I'm saying this, God wants to sanctify your character. Let me tell you the, the, the number one reason, God's main reason for, how, you know, for his problems is he wants to make you like Jesus Christ. He wants to make you like Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but this is, this is beautiful that you're chosen, that you're called, that he ransomed you, he redeemed you, he brought you out, he paid, he paid the high price for your low living. And now he wants, he purchased you. Your life no longer belongs to you. And now he wants to make, he wants you, he wants to develop your character. He wants you to be humble. He wants you to be compassionate. He wants you to stand on truth. He wants you to be a man of no compromise, a woman of worship, a woman of self-respect. God wants to make you like his son. This whole thing about character building, God wants to make you like his son Jesus. But I said this to, uh, I don't know if I was here. We want to be comfortable. We want, and God wants to develop our character. And you can't have both. You know, like the pot on the potter's wheel, you know, the, the clay on the potter's wheel? It's not comfortable when God is molding you and stripping away and pruning. But God wants to develop your character. So problems come to sanctify my character. Now, I want to say a couple of things, and I'm going to get ready to go. I've got 10 minutes, so we're good. All right. So, so check it out. His ultimate purpose is maturity. He wants to grow you up. All right? He wants you to be more like Jesus. In the Christian life, character is the bottom line. Nobody cares what you say. Nobody cares what church you go to. They're watching how you live. God, character, the way you live, how you act, with the jokes you listen to, the jokes you laugh at, God wants you to demonstrate his character. And if you say, and if you say yes to him, he'll do it in you, and he'll do it in you and through you. It's not like you got to do this in your own power. It's not sufficient. But he wants to develop your character. But you got to say yes to Jesus. Now, now let me just say this real quick. You, you got to get what I'm saying. This is when it's, when it's on and popping. This is when you're overwhelmed with emotion, when you're hurt, when somebody betrayed you, when somebody lied on you, somebody disrespect. In the heat of the moment, none of the Bible studies you went through, none of the church services you went through, they don't matter if in the heat of the moment you won't stand on God's word. Let me, give you, let me explain something to you. The, the devil is trying to destroy you, and Jesus is trying to develop you. And, and here, here's what happens when you go through stuff. The, the, all right. When you're going through something, there's a spiritual warfare. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to take a, a this is, has to do with something. When you're going through an attack, let, let's say that, that you lose your job, or let's say that they find a lump in your breast, or let's say your son, you know, disappears for three, um, something not good happens, right? Something very not good. That's bad in and of itself, right? That's like bad in and of itself. Like, man, this sucks. How am I going to pay my bills? Oh my God, what they found? My, you know, you're going through something. That, that's a, we call that an external attack. It's bad. It's, you don't need, you know, even for me to say it's an external attack, a, the superficial attack might offend you. I'm praying for a man whose 13-year-old son just committed suicide. That's bad. But I have to try to Share with him that as bad as that is, in the midst of his suffering, there's an internal attack he must be careful of. The internal attack is when you're vulnerable and hurting and, and, and kind of like you got hit in a you punch. The devil wants to write something on your heart. That's the internal attack. Where, what would it be like? God is not good. Or, or, or you prayed God cannot be trusted. Or, or where is God now? Oh, oh. So that's an external attack, right? The devil hits you, boom, it's bad. It's not, it's not like a, it's, it, this is something traumatic. But that's not even the real attack. The real attack is if the devil can write something on your heart and sow a seed that comes from hell and have you live for the next 20 years like there is no God. 
So, so now the thing is, when you're going through this eternal this, this attack, God wants to write something on your heart also. And you got to be able to choose. You choose. Anybody ever notice this? When people go through problems, you can get better, B-E-T-T-E-R, or you can get bitter, B-I-T-T-E-R. You know the difference in those two words? What's the difference? The I. I choose. I, I choose if I'm going to get better. Am I going to glorify God? I understand God is going to do something here. I understand there's a purpose. And, and when you're in it, you also got to understand that you can't see the forest for the trees. And you know because you've been through mad drama already in your life that you can't trust your emotions. And you know because you've been through mad drama life that, that this is going to pass somehow, some way. And because of the sermon, because of the Bible, that God is going to do something in me and through me. I'm crying and this hurts, but I've been through so much stuff and I want to get better. I don't want to get bitter. And I'm going to choose to believe God. I'm going to choose to trust God. I'm going to choose to stand on God's word. You, you understand what I'm saying to you? Now, this is easy to talk about. It's hard to do. Okay, I'm going to get out your way. Three things. Three things. He says, rejoice. Rejoice, he says. He says, consider pure joy whenever you go through trials of many kinds. All right? Now, I'm not saying fake it. I'm not saying fake it. When my mother died, I, I, you know, I wasn't rejoicing that my mother died. All right? Because there's a, there's a very misunderstood scripture in the Bible I, I might have time to share. But I, when, my, when my, my daughter just went to the hospital ended up, you know, going through what she went through, I wasn't rejoicing because she's sick now because oh, she's dealing with a, a, a trial in her life. I wasn't rejoicing. I think it's great that, that she's dealing with the situation in her life. I don't think it's great that she's dealing with it. But I had to rejoice in it, not for it. And that's where a lot of Christians get twisted. All right? There's a scripture in the Bible. I'm going to see if i got time to mess with you a little bit. There's a scripture in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. You don't got to go to it. I'm going to read it. It says, in everything, in, somebody say, in everything. In everything. Give thanks. In everything. For this is. The will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. So in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, in, somebody say, in everything. In everything, it says, in everything, give thanks. That's what, in, in everything, not for everything. I don't give thanks that my daughter is dealing with this. I don't give thanks that my son is in jail. I don't give thanks that my two right-hand leaders are no longer serving the Lord right now. I don't give thanks that, I give thanks in, in it, not for it. Why do I give thanks in it? Why am I able to rejoice? Because I know some stuff. I know that God's going to do something in me, that God's going to do something in them, that God's going to get some glory, that God is on the throne, that he's going to work it out, that he knows more than I know, he understands more than I understand, and he's been faithful in my darkest of times. Surely he's going to be faithful now. Yeah. You, you, when, when I wasn't serving God, when I said, Jesus, I don't want nothing to do with you, when I cursed Jesus' name, he was still looking out for me. When I, when I served other gods, Jesus was still looking out for me. When I, when, I, when I cursed the name of Jesus, he was still looking out for me. When I wanted nothing to do with Jesus, he was, so how much more now that I'm pursuing him, that I'm looking after him, that I'm showing up, how much more now he's going to get my back? You understand what I'm saying? I know some stuff. Now, you can't fake knowing when you're in the midst of the storm. You can fake knowing when you're not in the storm. You can say, well, glory to God. God is good. You ever talk to Keith Bigger? How you doing, Keith? Rejoicing. All right, it's okay. But I'm watching Keith. I want to see if he rejoices when he goes through hard times. And I, I watch Keith go through some hard times. I say, how you doing, Keith? He says, rejoicing. He's going through it. 
but he's rejoicing. So, so he says rejoice, James says rejoice because you know some stuff. Because in it, I'm in it, in it, not for it. Think about that. God don't want you to be some crazy martyr. Oh, I thank God I got cancer. No. I'm thanking God in this storm that I'm going, because God is on the throne. And maybe people around me need to see what a Christian with cancer looks like. Maybe I'm able now to minister to people who have cancer. I'm able to show them from a biblical perspective, a Christ honoring from a, from a kingdom perspective, what someone with cancer goes through. And I remember, uh, uh, I hope I didn't ask for permission, but Pedro, you know, when we when last year, a little bit, Pedro and, and Shetty began to go through their storm. Right? And it's easy to, be, they were going through their storm, and we was praying for them and praying for them. We didn't thank God that they were going, we thank God that, that he has them in the storm. That while, while they're in it, God's going to do something in them and through them, and God's going to bless them, and they're going to get something out of this that a lot of people are not going to get because they're the ones going through it, not you. God trusted them with this storm. You know what's crazy? When God can trust you, I'm like, man, I, I'm like God. I'm nothing like Job. Please don't, I'm not like Job. You know, because if, if you know the story of Job, the, Job it, was, it was God that put Job on blast. Right? It was the, the, the devil came. He was to and fro. God asked him, where are you coming from? What's your story? He said, oh, I come here. And then God said, look over there. Look at my man's in them. He got mad knuckle game. Right? The God said, so God pointed to put the spotlight on Job. Had Satan look at Job. And then, Job said, and then Satan said, okay, I'm going to get him. He said, okay, you can do this, but you can't do this. You can do this, but you can't do that. God trusted Job. God knew that Job, though he slay me, I will worship him. God knew that Job had it in him. And so when you go into a storm, you can rejoice because, you know, God is allowing this to happen because he's going to do something in you. He trusts you. He's, it's powerful when God, you know, this whole year, this, this whole 2017, it's been on and popping spiritually. We've been in some serious spiritual warfare. So we're rejoicing because we know that God is on the throne. Are you with me? Yes. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you uh, uh, one more verse, and then we're going to move on. Psalms 34.1 says this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Even when I don't, listen, I will bless the Lord at all times. You got to learn how to worship God when you don't feel like worshiping. You can't be like, a, like a, oh, I don't feel it. You got to, you, worship is a, is a form of warfare. And you got to know how to worship. You don't got to feel it. The worship team could be twisted. The keyboard player could have a bad day. The drummer could be drunk somewhere. The, whatever it might be. I'm just kidding. And you got to be able to worship God because you know that you're doing warfare. Because God is worthy. Because no demon in hell is going to steal my praise. I'm going to glorify him. I'm not going to let the rocks cry out. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to stir my own faith. I'm going to plug into the power. And I'm going to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and as you're worshiping, angels are moving and stuff is happening. And God, you got to learn how to worship God. You got to continually, when you don't feel it, when you don't want to, when it's, oh, you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So it's important that, that you consider, you consider when you're going through storms, not why, but what God is doing. Amen. So the first one is rejoice. The second one is request. Request. Praise the Lord. Request. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without fault, and it will be given to him. That's in verse 5. Now, why do you need to request? Why do you need to? Here's the biggest mistake people make. When they're going through trouble, they call their tia. 
They call their sponsor, which is not bad. They call their, they don't ask God. When you're going through a storm, you know why it's important that you ask God? Because if you understand the school of character, God's not going to promote you until you develop that character. So if you don't get learn it now, in six months you got to go through it again. In three months you got to go. You're going to keep going through the same scenario, different situation, same scenario, until you develop that character, until you learn to ask God, God, what do you want me to learn? What do you want me to do? What am I supposed to learn here? And if you don't ask God and you call this one and call that one, or you throw a slogan at it, you're not going to develop the character you're supposed to develop, and therefore, you're going to see the situation again. Are you, do you understand? So it's important that when you're going through it, you ask God, God, give me wisdom from on high. Not fortune cookie wisdom. Wisdom from on high. Wisdom to understand the trial and faith to endure it. Are you understand what I'm saying to you? So he says he wants you to request. So he says here, what do you want to teach me in this problem, Lord? What do you want me to learn? What characteristics can I develop, God? I'm asking you now. I need your wisdom. I, need, I can't see it. I'm emotional. I'm overwhelmed. All right, last one is relax. Somebody say relax. But when he asked, he must believe and not doubt, verse 6. He must believe and not doubt. The Bible says the man who doubts is like a double-minded man. He cannot, that guy should not think he's going to get anything from God. Relax. All right? When he asks, he must believe and not doubt. This is very important here. A lot of times, people ask God for help. They read the word. God speaks to them. They hear a sermon. And then they doubt that God's going to do it. Don't let the devil rob you of your faith. Relaxing means that you know that God's going to work it out. You know that, that whom you belong to. You know that God is greater than your problem. You've done your part. You've went to the Lord. And now you got to, you ever seen the thing, uh, uh, the little meme, relax, you know, I, I'm going to handle all your problems today if you allow me to. This is God. You got to relax. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read to you something in verse 12. So once you rejoice, once you request, once you relax, Verse 12 says this, James 1.12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. It says, blessed is the man who, pers who perseveres under trial. You know what perseveres mean? To continue moving forward in spite of the opposition. To continue worshiping even though your heart hurts. To continue loving even though they're not loving back. To continue having faith even though you don't see what's worth. To continue continue moving forward. I think about, you know, I'm a sports guy. Uh, I think about the, the running back, how he breaks through. They're trying to tackle him and he keeps running and he keeps his feet moving, his head down, and he keeps going, keeps going. You got to be like a running back for Jesus. And no matter who hits you, no matter what happens, you got to keep your feet moving so you can break through that tackle. You understand what I'm saying to you? And so, and it, and it says very clearly, for those who have stood the test, he received the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. We're, we're fighting for a crown, an eternal crown. And not for just momentary stuff, but you're going to spend most of your life in, in, in eternity. And um, it's important that you understand that when you're going through something, there's rewards here on earth, but there's eternal rewards. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to uh, share something with you. I'm going to get out your way. I think we're going to close it down. I got two minutes left. The worship team can come up. Amen. Um, you're going to have problems. You know, you got to know that God is doing something in you and through you. They're going to come. You don't got to like them. 
They're going to come at the, at, the, at the least opportune moments. God wants you to rejoice. He wants you to request, and he wants you to relax. He wants you to rejoice, request, and relax. I know that I know that I know that I'm serving God. And whatever comes my way, God's going to use it to glorify himself. I don't got to like it. I don't got to prove it. I just got to handle my assignment. Amen? 